Welcome to episode 79 of Killer Hangover. I'm Bettina. And I'm Beth. And we are venturing into Oklahoma. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even. She either says it with an accent or she's going to sing it for you all. (laughs) Oklahoma. (laughs) I have the true crime. Bethy has the paranormal and the cocktail. So take it away. Okay, and we have to be very honest with you. We are recording these episodes kind of back to back because we're in preparation for baby, which means that we're recording this episode in the morning. (laughs) But that doesn't mean I don't have a cocktail in line to share with you all. It just means that neither one of us will be drinking it. Maybe tonight. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But but not at 930 in the morning, no. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to stick to our coffee. So I found this article on insider.com that's titled the most popular cocktail in every state. And it states that Oklahoma's most popular cocktail is, drumroll, is the Long Island iced tea. Why? I don't know. But apparently that is the most popular cocktail. This Website also states that, like, Missouri, where I live, the most popular cocktail is a mojito. (laughs) But I don't understand why a mojito would be for Missouri. That's definitely not a drink that I go to a bar and order. I don't I don't know if I agree with this article totally because it you also says the bar that Kansas, and order anything right now. Well, it also says that Kansas's most popular drink is an amaretto sour. Man, I haven't had one of those or seen anybody drink one of those in years. Exactly <laughs> my point. <laughs> but you're sticking to the Long Island iced tea? I am, but I'm just trying to say here, I'm not exactly sure where they got all these facts. The article also states that mojitos were the most popular cocktail in the country. Eight different states searched for them. So I guess it's Googled how to make these cocktails. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. Because it says like, like Hawaii makes sense. The blue Hawaii is the Hawaii cocktail. Georgia is the pina colada. Eh, okay. Um, Florida's the mojito, which that makes sense to me. Okay, right. and then Idaho, Idaho is the mojito. I I don't I don't know. Illinois is a margarita. <laughs> oh, Indiana is a mojito again. Iowa is a Tom Collins. Oh, we're mixing it up. So anyway, this is this this is on insider.com. We'll put a link to it. Well, so Oklahoma is not messing around. They go straight for the Long Island iced tea that has nothing but alcohol in it. No, they are not messing around. They like the Long Island iced tea. I've made Long Island iced teas before. I really enjoy them. I actually, I don't know if Houlihan still does it because I haven't been out and about to a bar anytime in the past, I don't know, <laughs> you know, eight months. But remember Houlihan's had those Long Island iced teas? They had like a tequila one. They had, I mean, granted, it's mixed with everything, but it was mostly tequila in one. And they had rum I'll just in take one. your word for it. Flavors. I've never... I, don't care for them so I never really yeah they had like a Long Island iced tea like happy hour or something I don't know but I used to love them but this I got from liquor.com it had the most positive reviews when I looked for a recipe for Long Island iced teas and again I apologize that we are not drinking this 
Now, you were right, Mom. They are not messing around. This is three-fourths ounce vodka, three-fourths ounce white rum, three-fourths ounce silver tequila, three-fourths ounce gin, three-fourths ounce triple sec, three-fourths ounce simple syrup, (laughs) three-fourths ounce lemon juice freshly squeezed, cola on top, garnish with a lemon wedge. And that (laughs) is your Long Island iced tea. (laughs) Not messing around. Uh, those amaretto sours for them. <laughs> I guess they were created back around Prohibition. Long Island iced teas were because they kind of just looked like iced teas. Oh, and they but just dumped all imagine. their liquor in it that they could find. <laughs> yeah, and I just can't imagine like I don't know how Prohibition necessarily worked. If like a cop came around and smelling everybody's drinks, but I don't, I don't think. I think that would smell straight up of alcohol. Well, and and you would like... too when you're drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just drinking iced tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All righty. Well, so Oklahoma, there's your cocktail. Have one for us. Let us know if you have another recipe that you guys make. Tag us in it because I really enjoyed them back in the day. Back in the day. I feel like I've been pregnant forever. Well, there was COVID too, so. This is true. This is true. All righty. All right, Mom. Let's talk some true crime. Well, since I'm from Kansas, lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. (laughs) But not in this case. In this case, it goes witchcraft and demons and drugs. Oh, my. (laughs) When I was in, like, the fourth grade, Mom helped me make... What was that even for? I don't know Uh, where you're going with this. That thing that you made me do, I don't remember if it was a speech or a presentation, but I was like, lions and tigers and bears, oh my, will they be here tomorrow or die? (laughs) (laughs) Endangered animal, like presentation I think I was giving and that was like the title of my presentation I think it was like the sixth grade so every time I hear that song granted I love the Wizard of Oz but now every time I hear that song I'm like will they be here tomorrow or die (laughs) (laughs) just so clever mom well I totally changed those words witchcraft and demons and drugs okay So I was not familiar with this case, but Beth is, and she suggested I look into it. So thank you for that, because it is very strange. (laughs) So from my research, I saw that there is some information online. There are a whole heck of a lot of podcasts on this. I mean, but the actual information that's online is the same over and over and over. And if you want to venture out... Like, I wanted to know when this couple got married, and there's nothing. Nothing. Interesting. So it's weird, because this case is pretty big, but it's just weird. One of the YouTube channels that I watched about this case that is really very, very well done, it's called Brain Scratch. Okay. The Disappearance of the Jameson Family. He does an exceptional job on this. Awesome. Okay. I would turn people that way if they wanted to get more information. But I think I'm covering this pretty close from what's out there. Like, Mom, it can't be any worse than what I covered last week. Uh, No, no, no. It's more information than what you covered last week. (laughs) 
Again, guys, I'm sorry. So anyway, so this is, of course, the very strange case of the Jameson family. The family consisted of Bobby Dale, the father, he was 44, the mother, Sherilyn, 40, and little Madison Stormy Star, 6, and her little dog, Maisie. The family lived in a $300,000 lake home in Eufaula, Oklahoma. They pretty much, um, I would say, stayed to themselves, went to church, but were not active at the church or in the community. Madison had started kindergarten in the local school, but was pulled out shortly after school started. School officials were told that Sherilyn had decided to homeschool. So from the outside looking in, the Jameson looked like a normal family, whatever normal means, but normal (laughs) family. We use Um, that word very loosely in this podcast series. (laughs) Normal. Normal. You know, they just weren't I mean everyone knew about them but they didn't really know them because they just did not socialize from the outside looking in they looked like a happy family but from the inside there were all kinds of wackadoodle things going on okay let's start with Bobby the father he had been in a horrible car accident in 2003 which left him with chronic back pain the accident resulted in him taking pain pills and left him on disability. Mm. Bobby had a volatile relationship with his father. He described his father as a very dangerous man who thinks he's above the law. Supposedly, Bobby's father was involved with prostitutes, gangs, meth, and the Mexican cartel. Oh, yikes. This is from Bobby. I mean, he really was a kind of scary guy, but I don't know about the Mexican cartel thing. Anyway. There's like no evidence or proof of any of that? Not really. Bobby's parents were divorced, and even his mother claimed she lived in fear of the man. She had a security system put in her house and paid for a security and surveillance system put in Bobby and Sherilyn's house. And I will definitely come back to that surveillance video. Oh. Six months before the family disappeared, Bobby had claimed that his father had threatened the family twice with death and Bobby petitioned for a protective order to be filed against his father. Oh, Sherilyn was also suffering. She had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which was Mm. very altered after her sister Marla's unexpected and rather freaky death in 2007 from one source. (laughs) She had been stung on the tongue by a bee. Oh my gosh. And her tongue swelled up so much she asphyxiated, basically. I mean, oh a, my gosh. A really, How like I said, bizarre. freaky death. Sherilyn became very depressed and would often either forget or refuse to take her bipolar medication, which of course mm, caused her to spiral shock. down even further. Her be- behavior became very erratic, so much so that her son, Colton, from a previous marriage, who lived with them, but he moved out and went to live with his father in Oklahoma City. It just... okay. There were just too many ups and downs, and he just couldn't take it. Because of her non-medicated bipolar disorder, Sherilyn was not working and was also on disability. So they had this $300,000 lake home, and both were on disability. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. Some things really don't add up. Huh. She did, however, work on things at home. For example, witchcraft. (laughs) Oh. Oh. 
And she took her daughter out of school to homeschool her. So yeah, whether she really homeschooled her or not, I don't know. There are conflicting things out there about this, about the witchcraft. Family members say that the witchcraft was just a joke between sisters and that they had jokingly bought each other witchcraft books, which they decided they'd leave out uh, like on the coffee table so people could see it. (laughs) I kind of love that. (laughs) Katie, (laughs) let's do that. That's so fun. Actually, I don't even know if people would even think anything, though, because no, I have this dang the podcast. podcast. They'd be like, oh, she must be looking into it. It wouldn't really Some mean Some research. Anything. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I have the Brothers Grimm book sitting on my coffee table for the longest yeah, time you recently. Do. But that's a pretty book. <laughs> it's really pretty. It is. Oh, uh, um, Others, like her best friend, Nikki, said that she and Sherilyn would participate in seances, which Sherilyn seemed to take pretty seriously. Oh. After three of the family cats had supposedly been poisoned. Oh, I'm not a cat person, but that's sad. I know. That's yucky. Sherilyn decided to mess with her neighbors, or maybe not. Maybe she really meant it. But she... Okay, so they have this big, very large shipping container in their yard. You know what that is, right? That closed up metal container that you see on trains and stuff. Yeah, so why was that in their yard? Well, they wanted to, I don't know when they got that, but they wanted to live in it. So I'll explain that in just a bit. So on this shipping container, she spray painted these words. Three cats killed to date by people in this area. Witches don't like their black cats killed. Oh, Mm -mm. (laughs) that was spray spray painted on there. And and their cats were poisoned? Who does that? Well, she she thought that they had. I don't, you know, I I, I just don't know with this family what yeah. what they saw was real or not. Because things get even more weird. Both Sherilyn and Bobby thought their house was haunted. Sherilyn was convinced mm. that there was an entire family who had previously lived in the house and was now dead, that they still resided in the house, the whole family. And oh. Madison who had recently started talking to an imaginary friend, you know. Uh-oh. A lot of kids have imaginary friends, but Sherilyn yeah, looked at like, it. and she's like, what, five or six? She's I six. I mean, that's normal. Right. So, but Sherilyn did not look at it that way. She said that Madison was, in fact, talking to the youngest daughter in the dead family. Cool. That lived cool. there. Naturally. <laughs> Bobby's convictions were even more sinister. Now, remember, Bobby is not the depressed one and not the bipolar one, but he does take pain medicine. I don't know what exactly he took at the time, but he was very convinced that there were demons in the house and the demons lived on the roof of the house. Okay, Not in the attic, but on the roof. On the roof. And he was so convinced about this that he went to visit the family's pastor Gary Brandon, and asked the pastor where he could purchase, quote, special bullets that would kill the demons. He also admitted to the pastor that he had bought the Satanic Bible and he had read it. And the reason he had read it was so that he could more understand demons and thus be able to get rid of them. So what do you do as the pastor in that situation? Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean... Oh, my gosh. The pastor has since moved from the area and will not talk about this. Mm. But, yeah, so 
now, yeah, we're going to throw those demons in there too. And I guess Bobby and Sherilyn had decided enough was enough and they were going to move out of the house. That's why they wanted to live in the shipping container. Maybe it was because they couldn't pay for the house anymore. But yeah, uh, that's what I'm kind of thinking. They also didn't want to live with the demons and the dead family. Okay. I wouldn't either. (laughs) (laughs) They were interested in buying 40 acres outside of Red Oak. Oklahoma in the San Boys Mountains and there they would move the large shipping container and live in that until they could build a house. Okay, that okay. was their plan. On October 7th, the family drove the 30 minutes to the San Boys area to scope out the two properties that were for sale. Now remember I said 40 acres. Both of them were on both huge. these properties were 40 acres. That's huge. Yes. And he's on disability like what are they going to do with all that acreage? I have they I have no idea. Go live off the grid. I have absolutely no idea. That is crazy. They happened upon the landowner of one of the properties and did speak to him. And he was the last known person to see them alive. Oh. The next day, so they looked at the one property. The next day, the family packed their truck and headed back to check out the other property. And then nothing. It was not unusual for family members and friends to not hear from the family. They would occasionally leave and stay gone without telling anyone. But after eight days, a call was placed to the police because they were certain, obviously, to get worried about them. Sure. It was around the same time a call came in from some hunters, you know, resources. It was hunters or it was ATVers or it was a deputy. (laughs) I mean, it's just like, I don't really know who found the truck first but someone found a truck on a dirt road in the sand boys mountains and could somebody this is why i think it was either hunters or atvers because the call came in could somebody please come here immediately there's a little dog locked inside of the truck and she looks close to death oh oh no the police somebody ran up there found that they found a white truck I don't know, if I found a dog in a car close to death, I'd break the freaking window. I don't care. Yeah, well, they didn't. They called the police. Maybe they had I would call the police, too, but I would be like, "Uh, no, I'm going to get this doggy out of here. And maybe they had an eerie feeling that they shouldn't do that. I don't know why they, you know, here we are out in the boonies. There's nobody around. And it's on this dirt road. And here's this car truck with this little pup in it. So they found the truck, uh, the front heading downhill. So like okay. like the truck was headed out of the okay. mountains. The doors were locked, of course. They broke into the truck, mostly to save the dying animal. But boy, did they find a lot. Oh, gosh. So I'm going to interject here because I want you to actually pay attention to what I'm saying. <laughs> and <laughs> I am paying attention. No, no. If you're anything <laughs> like me, I'd be dwelling on the dog. It's like, I am. The dog I'm hoping it? the dog the is dog? okay. So I'm going to tell you right now, the dog did live. She was very dehydrated, of course, and starving, literally starving. So they gave her water and took care of her. I'm obviously, I'm like, okay, the family is probably dead. You're saying you're finding things in the car. Okay, okay, okay. But is the dog okay? Like, I, there's just <laughs> something about dogs because they're so innocent and they're so dependent on us. I don't know. It just, it breaks my heart. 
doggies. Yeah, I, I know. Okay. That's why I went ahead and told you that the dog, so that you'd pay Thank attention you. to my other. The dog did live, and in fact, Bobby's mother adopted her, and she was in one of the videos Aww. sitting on her lap, just happy as, I, she looked like a Shih Tzu maybe, but Aww. just this fluffy little black and white pup, and I mean, she looked fine in the video, so man, eight days Eight days. Yeah. And that's amazing. I can't even. Oh, yeah. Okay. So on with the story, which, by the way, the dog was the happiest. Saving the dog was the happiest part of the story. Okay. Everything goes downhill from okay. there. Great. In the truck, police found two cell phones, a GPS system, jackets, a wallet, a purse, IDs, car keys, an empty pill bottle, and 11-page letter written by Sherilyn ranting about Bobby. And basically saying how much she hates him and she wants a divorce. And okay. strangely, $32,000 wrapped in a plastic bag and put in a bank bag and then hidden under the driver's seat. Okay. The IDs belonged to Bobby and Sherilyn Jameson. Sheriff Israel Bocam was called in as lead investigator. The search for the family began immediately. Hundreds of volunteers worked with many officials in combing the large area. Helicopters were called in. Drones were used as well as, I think there was 13 teams of dogs that came in. Mm. And of course, now now that I know that the dog is okay, now I'm just worried about the, the little, little girl. girl. Not that I don't have any care for the adults I know, in the but situation. But again, another just, innocent. Again, it's mm -hmm. that innocent victim. Yeah. So the cadaver dogs actually alerted to a nearby water tank. Water tank. Mm. Does that remind mm. you of? Oh, boy. <laughs> Lisa Lamb all over That's again. That's what people <laughs> were saying. Dang water tanks. Uh, the water tank was drained, but nothing was found. The search continued mm. for nine months because of the vast area, the rough terrain and weather. Because this was in October that this happened. So Okay. The family surveillance video was looked at in particular the last days the family was home. Remember I said I'd go back to the video? Right. It is, I don't know. If you're familiar with the case, you'll know what I'm talking about. There's a video of Bobby and Sherilyn packing the truck, but it's really odd. The whole video is not up. Can't watch it anymore. I guess it used to be up, but there are there is a snippet that everybody's seen on this. So they look like they're zombies almost or on drugs. Hmm? Each of them walked slowly from the house to the truck and back about 20 times, never talking to each other. They pass each other, but don't talk to each uh, other. And they're carrying stuff? Sometimes they walk to the truck not holding anything. And then sometimes they'd walk to the truck holding something, but then carry the same item back to the house, then back to the truck. Okay, and at times they would suddenly stop oh and just stare out into space. Are they on drugs? They changed their clothes during this process. They changed their clothes three three or four times. Oh, just weirdness. After viewing this, many came to the conclusion that Bobby and Sherilyn were on drugs, specifically meth, mm -hmm. which is very prominent in That's that area. That's what I was leaning towards. They say that both Bobby and Sherilyn looked emaciated, which supports the drug theory. Now, I looked at pictures, and personally, I don't think that Sherilyn looks extremely thin. I don't. I wouldn't mm -hmm. call her emaciated. Bobby does, but the guy was in constant pain and on painkillers, 
which probably decreased right. anybody's appetite. So, I mean, he he did yeah. look gaunt, but, you know, it could very well be that. Now, family members and best friend Nikki all say that neither one of them took drugs, nor did they sell drugs. They would never endanger their daughter that way. But that doesn't mean that they didn't do it that day. Yeah, but, you know, you need... I think with meth, you need paraphernalia. I don't know. I'm not familiar with it, but... Well, that's true. To back up... But that's just... To back up that What what other excuse is it to look like zombies? I don't know. I absolutely don't know. Maybe they were both on Bobby's painkillers. I don't know. And their whole behavior, carrying a box, carrying the same box back and forth. I mean, they're just basically walking back and forth. It's just, it was just weird. It's the demons on the roof. But police could not find any drugs nor drug paraphernalia at the house or on the premises, nor in the truck. The search Mm. for the family was called off after months of frustrating dead ends. Four years later, in November of 2013, hunters stumbled upon three partial skeletal remains, three miles from where the Jameson truck had been found. The remains were identified on July 3rd, 2014, as Bobby, Sherilyn, and Madison. Unfortunately, because only bits and pieces of the skeleton remained and soft tissue was long since decomposed, there was no way to tell what had killed the family. Oh my gosh. There was a hole in Bobby's skull, which was initially thought to be a bullet hole, but was later Mm -hmm. ruled out as animal activity by the coroner. So, I don't know. But boy, oh boy, does this case have theories. I've never seen so many theories on a case. (laughs) Okay, so I'm just going to go right in there with those theories. Let's dive down another rabbit hole, (laughs) Oh, these are several rabbit holes. Ready? (laughs) Bobby and Sherilyn were involved with selling drugs, and a drug deal went wrong, or they wanted to get out and were killed instead of the gang letting them out. Uh, But but you're right. The fact that they didn't find any paraphernalia or any Mm -hmm. drugs or anything, though, that kind of rules that out for me, too. Uh, Yeah. Well, this theory, not only because the video... But it, it's also based on the $32,000 found in the truck. and right. But again, nothing was found to indicate the selling of drugs. Could they have put that 32000 in the truck because they were going to purchase land? Did they want to pay for it? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Theory number two. The family got lost in the woods and died of starvation and hypothermia. Okay. Now, there's okay. a lot of things to oppose this theory. One, there's no way in heck Bobby could have taken a three-mile hike in rough terrain with the back pain he was in. No. Okay? No. If they had hiked, they would have taken Macy with them. She always went with them when they were out. And was this on the land that they were looking to purchase, or is this kind of around that land? I think it's around that land. It could have been on that land. Because I can see them getting out to kind of look around the land and then they maybe get lost. And that's why it ended up being three miles because, you know, they're like, we're going in the right direction, but they weren't going in the right direction. True. But, but why would what they would leave? Blow my mind, though, is that they had cadaver dogs and everything like that out, out there. there. Yeah. And three miles from the car is not that no. far. And they, that, had, and they searched for nine months. Yeah. You'd think a tracking dog would find them. So that's just really is, bizarre. The whole thing is weird. And if they went on a hike, they would have taken their dog. They wouldn't have locked their dog in the car. Plus, they didn't take their cell phones and they didn't take their jackets. Now, granted, it's not yeah, freezing, but 
they left their jackets in the car. Mm-hmm. And hypothermia w- would not have happened because I think the weather was fairly mild and didn't drop below 40 degrees. So they would have been cold, but they wouldn't have died by hypothermia. And their skeletons mm-hmm. were found laying right next to each other, face down. So uh, again, Weird. I don't think they died that way if it was in the woods just getting lost. Uh, quick yes. question. So that surveillance footage of them walking back and forth to the car, did it show the little girl at all? Uh, I thought I saw glimpses of her just playing. So because okay. I was just wondering if like maybe they did take his painkillers or something like that so much that they were in that zombie state. I don't know if that's even possible because I don't know what kind of drugs they were. And then they drugged her as well. I just... Rabbit hole I was jumping down in my mind. I, th- I saw her. Plus, <laughs> if they were in that zombie state, I don't... I mean, this property was 30 How miles from their house. Right. And they left that day. Huh. Okay. Another theory is murder-suicide. The couple was not in a good place, mm-hmm. and they fought a lot, and they had a great financial problems, as well as, you know, their health issues that had gone on for years. The anger at Bobby was very pronounced in the 11-page letter written by Sherilyn's that the police found in the truck. Could she have used... Yeah, I mean, that whole letter thing seems so staged to me. Well, it was her. Sure, sure, sure. But, like, why why leave that in the car unless you're, like, setting up some kind of a... I don't know. I don't know. That's weird. Like, was she reading it to him as he was driving her around? Like, I just... It's just no, weird. it is weird. Why is it in the car? Unless it was her. Why is unless it, in it the was car? her truck and she kept it in the truck to hide from him? Right, you know? that's now, true. On one <laughs> resource that I watched, the last page of the the last page of the letter in this paragraph, it I'm uh, very short paragraph. The last one it said how much she loved him. Hmm. I I don't know if that was there but it sure looked like it <laughs> they held it up but that was only in one resource that I found that so nobody else talked about all, everybody talks about how much she you know was ranting and raving and how much she hates him but nobody mentioned that right. last paragraph and I'm just like so was it there or not mm-hmm. hmm. so she did have a 22 caliber gun did she use that to shoot Bobby Madison and then herself no, I, the gun was never found yeah, that's true. You would have found the Could gun. Could a hunter have come by and picked up, up the gun and left three dead bodies there? And plus the uh, skeleton remains of Madison and um, Sherilyn showed what they could see, showed no indication of a gun having been shot at them. Huh. Well, it's not like some like big old fancy gun either. No, it's a little like, oh, caliber. Have to have that gun. It's a little caliber gun. Yeah, but it. She usually kept it, I guess, in the truck under the seat, and it wasn't there. Was it there? No. They've never oh. found this truck. They've never found this gun. It's cool. Cool. Okay. Theory number four. It was murder. Was the family forced out of their car, thus leaving all their belongings behind? Uh, there are several suspects here. Was Bobby's father involved? Supposedly, he was tied to the Mexican cartel. Had he and he did threaten mm-hmm. to kill the family. I mean, so much so they had that whole security system stuff. Like right, but he did not do it personally um, because he was actually very, very ill at this time and was either in the hospital or hospice. I mean, he he died two months after they went missing because he so, was so he's sick. in the hospital and he's like, uh, somebody go out and kill my son and his family. That just doesn't. Sound, it doesn't make sense. I, mean, I don't know how dark this guy was, but that doesn't. 
No. Uh, I, I think it was either mm. his brother or his best friend said, look, he was a bad guy. He did a lot of bad things, but he would never kill. I don't know. Hmm. But there's questions I have of them being killed. Um, this is a remote area. Uh, would the family not have noticed if someone's following them? I mean, there's nobody else on this road. Yeah. They didn't yeah, just. that's true. They actually went up this mountain hill, I guess. I don't know. To the end of the road and took pictures. So it wasn't like. I don't, they took pictures there. There's evidence of that. And then they turned the truck around and were heading back down the hill. Yeah, it's literally like they were there to just check out the property. Uh, like they right. were literally there innocently enough checking out the property. Right. So what happened? <laughs> Mom, tell me what happened. I don't know. And the other thing <laughs> is that's weird is nobody knew they were going up there. Not even Colton. Colton didn't even know that they were looking, mm. you know, the son did not even know that they were looking at property. He had no idea about this. Could it have been mm. Kenneth Bellows? And you haven't heard his name, but Bellows was hired as a handyman by the Jamesons and lived with them months before they disappeared. He was a white supremacist, and Sherilyn had felt threatened by him after she mentioned to him that she was part Native American. She had actually fired her gun at his feet, chasing him off of their property. Oh, gosh. Now, Bellows himself was ruled out. He was in prison at the time of the family's disappearance. So it couldn't have been. Okay. It have been oh, him. gosh. But was it a group of white supremacists <laughs> or a group of KKK that went after them? But again, they would have seen a car following them, and nobody knew that they were headed up to this mountain. And I'm sure police have gone over all that surveillance footage over and over and over again. And they would have seen somebody either staking out the house or at the house or, you know, like yeah. just because nobody knew that they were going out to the property. So no, could it have been someone they ran into while on the mountain? The owner of the property that they talked to the day before was cleared. He had an alibi. So they did talk to him. Mm -hmm. This area of the Sand Boys Mountains is known to be scattered with meth labs. Could the family have stumbled on one of these? Or could they have maybe seen something that, you know, the dealers wanted to hush them up? Sure. Could someone have wanted to take Madison and the parents got in the way? But then if that's the case, why would Madison have been found with them? Found with them. Yeah. Okay, so like I said, uh, they found pictures on Bobby's phone. And if you're familiar with this case, again, you've probably seen the picture of little Madison. And they found footprints around the rock. Now, this is eight days later. So obviously, people don't go up here because they found footprints from the family up by this rock formation. And they, they totally okay. identified that the family was there because of the pictures and the, and the footprints. So the picture that is online, and we'll post this in our social media, but is little Madison. She's not looking at the camera. She's kind of looking towards the right of her, and she's got her little arms crossed. And she's got this oh. weird, I don't know, look on her face. Some people say that she looks absolutely terrified. When I first looked at the picture, I, I did not read that and when I looked at the picture it looked like she was in the middle of maybe saying something or you know I mean at that age you know Aiden I've seen him cross his little arms in front of him and and go into a little rant oh there's always a reason they're a little five-ager they have attitudes and then and then you know everybody's looking at this picture in hindsight too knowing that the family all died right so of course to me it looks like she's just crossing her little hands and she's in the middle of i don't want you to take this picture or i want to eat something or you know a little tantrum is 
I don't know. I don't know what to say about her looking like she's terrified. I didn't get that feeling personally. Hmm. Okay. I want to see this. Yeah. Or could the family have been killed because of a drug deal gone bad? And again, the family could not see Bobby and Sherilyn taking Madison with them for the drug deal. They would not endanger their child that way. That's what family members say. But if they're hopped up on drugs, they wouldn't think about it, I guess. I don't know. I don't know about... But there's no real evidence that there was ever any abuse or anything with that little no. girl in the past. No. So mm-hmm. No. They loved that little girl. Another theory is it was a cult killing. Oh, gosh. Along with the meth labs, this area is known to have cult activity. Oh my gosh. Oklahoma. Golly. <laughs> Sherilyn's mother strongly believes that the family was killed by a religious cult, but there is nothing to support that. Of course, Mm -hmm. then you've got the way out theories. Are you ready? Uh, I am so ready for these. Bigfoot killed them. Of course. Mm -hmm. Bigfoot's got to make his way like, I mean, he's everywhere. He is everywhere. Another one, aliens abducted them and then left them on the mountain dead. Oh, shoot. Yeah. That makes sense. Totally. Yeah. And the other one, dimensional travel. Like they found like a portal. Like they found a portal and whipped through it and then came back and died, I guess. Man, that land is definitely more than that 30 grand that they had in their car. <laughs> 32,000, but boy. Which was still in the car. That's the other thing oh. with the drug deal thing. Why wasn't the car then gone yeah. through? You know, I, I mean, they had their yeah. wallets were all in there, you know, and the money the the car wasn't gone through at all. I don't think it has anything to do with drugs. Uh, now, I'm sorry, but that surveillance footage of them walking around like zombies, was that the same day? From what I can piece together, it was the same day that they then left. And after they packed the car, drove they left and, and drove oh. out there. Well, that's kind of that's kind of scary to me. Oh, I. Huh. I just don't, I just don't know. There are so many theories out there and so many leads, but all dead ends. Israel Bosham, the now retired sheriff, is quoted as saying, a lot of investigators would love to have as many leads as we do. The problem is they point in so many different directions. Oh, how To daunting. this day, no one knows how the family died, why the family died, nothing. Wow. Yeah, talking about rabbit holes. I couldn't imagine being working on this case as far as the detective investigator. I can't imagine being a family member to this, like... No, you... Because oh, you have to question, you know, and I think the mother even, um, Bobby's mother even lived with them for a little while after sh- her divorce from that man because she was so scared of him. I think she lived... I mean, wouldn't she know? You can't live with... I don't know. They can't hide their drug use. If, if someone's living with them, can they? I mean, yeah, I don't know. They didn't find they, any paraphernalia or no, anything. Nothing. Nothing. So crazy. Like I said, so much odd behavior that you could go all kinds of ways with this. There Yikes. you go. That's the Jameson family cold case. Definitely a cold case. It's a freezing case. All righty. Well, let's talk some ghosties. All righty. Shall we? Yes, we shall. The location I am covering, which is weird because you mentioned cults. <laughs> weird. Okay, so sitting on the corner of Noble and 2nd Street in Guthrie, Oklahoma, is a very unassuming building with quite 
the history. Its first use was in 1892 as one of the first federal prisons in the Midwest. It was called the Black by the inmates because of the dark black limestone used to build the jail. It doesn't look like that anymore. They've redone it. It has like, it looks like brick has covered it now. Mm -hmm. But back then it was this all made of this black limestone. I've never heard of black limestone, I guess. I know. And I wish we could see a, a picture of that. Over time, the nickname had a different meaning, not just about the building's color, but the black darkness that overcame the premises. Because of the thick limestone walls, there was no insulation in the prison at the time. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh, but that's just like, I don't feel like that's very smart, especially if you're going to be making cells and everything like that. But during the hot Midwest summer months, many prisoners would die of dehydration. And in the winter, it was so damp and cold that many suffered from severe respiratory infections. Oh, geez. The building stopped its use as a prison in the early 1900s, and a church purchased the property. (laughs) Okay. The Nazarene Church, to be exact. (laughs) They renovated the building, even adding on to it and making it larger to fit their congregation. But in the 70s, the church moved out and darkness moved in. The Samaritan Foundation, a religious cult that has often been associated with murder, Mm. conspiracy, and lots of scandal. Some say that they even had something to do with with the horrible Oklahoma bombing. Oh, and they're called, can you repeat the name, please? This was the Samaritan Foundation. Samaritan Foundation, okay. This was a new age group led by Linda Green. She led her members in what she called alternative healing rituals and other subjects. She wrote books on her beliefs and had many followers. In her writings, she claimed that she was the Christ because she, quote, willingly gave her soul so that all of yours could survive, unquote. Okay. She also advised her members to avoid talking on the phone because vampires could gain access to them. Well, yeah. (laughs) Many of her writings referenced vampires, zombies, and the Antichrist. She, like, thought that all celebrities were zombies and, yeah. Linda told one individual that they were totally taken over by evil. That person went and jumped in front of a moving train (gasps) the next day. Oh, my gosh. So she said that you could dispel this negative energy This negative energy that you had towards anything, a situation, a person, whatever, you could dispel it towards celebrities who were zombies or towards soy milk, (laughs) then pour it down the drain. So if you're having a bad day, either dispel it on Ben Affleck or soy milk. (laughs) This kind of reminds me like the Lori Vallow thing, you know, she... I was thinking that too with the whole zombie. Yeah. Like, and then killing. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Yeah. She used pendulums and other rituals to get the negativity out of her followers. So the whole cult was based around this pendulum thing. So if you were having, you know, what should I do with my career? She would have these weird rituals and whatever the pendulum swung to is what that person was to do. So that's like kind of how she led. Wow. Yeah. The building housed the members of the Samaritan Foundation, or some of them, including over 15 children. Hmm. The cult hit the news when in 1993, 
a father took the mother of his children to court because she had taken them from their home in Massachusetts to live in the Samaritan Foundation House in Guthrie, Oklahoma. The children were four and seven years old. The father grew concerned for his children, even before the move, when the mother had first joined the Samaritans. It started small, like she would draw these circles under groceries. He asked her about it, and she said that the Samaritan Foundation's writings said that the barcode was evil. <laughs> All barcodes were this, like, evil, inanimate thing that would just... Yeah, so she had to draw all these like crazy symbols underneath all the barcodes to get the yeah. evil out. Yeah. Soon he started to see these same circular drawings under his children's pillows. Oh no. oh no. And then she took off with the children to Guthrie. Thankfully, the court did rule in the favor of the father. Oof. The cult was in the news again in 1995 when Alan Ross, a Chicago filmmaker, a cult follower, and the lover to Linda Green, and I say lover because some sources said they were married, but there was never actually any, like, wedding. I think it was, they called each other husband and wife. I don't know. Maybe they had a Samaritan Foundation ceremony. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. But there's no record yeah, of them I, being, I don't know. There's no so, record of them being married. Right. But all the resources, a lot of resources said that they were, he was Linda Green's husband. Okay. So he was reported as missing in 1995. Oh. So now a potential murder is being tied to the leader of the cult. The case of Alan Ross. So I'm doing this research and I was like, oh, I can cover a little bit of this case. And so I started kind of taking notes on this case to share with you all. And my notes grew to like four or five pages long on this case. It's <laughs> yeah. super interesting. So I was like, okay, this is a whole other episode I just wrote up. And it's going to be for our patrons. Nice. <laughs> nice. Because this is it's very super, interesting. Super interesting. Yes. Yeah. It's really creepy. It go. I'll go a little more into Linda Green herself and Alan Ross. Patrons, look for that episode here shortly. And if you want to join our Patreon, there's a link to that in the description of this episode. And like I said, there's lots of twists and turns in that case. But what would you expect? Would you expect anything different from this crazy lady? Oh, I mean, no. it's just it's bizarre. How do you come up with these things? I, I don't know. She had over 300 followers at a time. Basically, they all followed her with the idea that she had this power with dousing. So she'd swing the pendulum to give them answers. She taught classes. She led retreats on alien abductions, demonic possessions. I mean, she kind of covered it all. In 1993, so before Alan right. Ross had gone missing, the Department of Human Services condemned the old jail, concerned with the living conditions of all the people in there, especially the many children, children that they right. found. By 1994, there was a lot of unwanted negative media attention on the cult, and the numbers started to dwindle. In 1995, even though the group had already disbanded, a lot of eyes were on the group and past members of the group with the Oklahoma City bombing of the Murrah building on April 19th. Oh. This is around the time that the pendulum swung for Linda and Alan to move to Wyoming. <laughs> So she like held her pendulum above the map and was like, where should we move? Oh, Wyoming. And they moved to Wyoming. If walls could talk, man, would this old prison have so much Jeez. to say. Claims of the building being haunted go all the way back to when the building was a prison. Disembodied voices being the number one paranormal thing that happened all throughout the jail. Today, you hear the voices and the sound of metal jail cell doors sliding open and being slammed closed. Coughing is heard. 
possibly from all the deaths from the respiratory issues the prisoners had in the cold. One of the main spirits of the old building is an inmate, James Phillips. He had killed a man and was scheduled to be hanged. He was the first white man sentenced to be hung at the jail that summer of 1907. A day or two before his hanging, he suddenly just dropped dead. Some stating that watching them build the gallows outside his window literally stressed him out so much that he died. Mm -hmm. The coroner did determine his death to be heart failure. Okay. So he says that he died of fright. Yep. Many witnesses claim to see James looking out of his cell window, looking across the street where the gallows would have been. Footsteps pacing his old cell are also heard. I mean, that guy, he, this has to be a total residual haunting. Just the stress of knowing he was about oh, to be Oh, to be hanged. scared to death. Can you imagine that energy? He literally, yeah. Yeah. The sound of a man sobbing are also heard coming from James's old My cell. My goodness. And remember, there might be some positive light brought into the building when the church purchased the property. Yes. And from this period of time came a haunting as well. Oh. A woman in a long floral printed dress with a large hat and white gloves is seen walking the grounds of the building. Mm. She is believed to have been a member of the Nazarene Church. A young woman's voice is heard singing hymns on the ground floor near the main entrance. She is seen mostly at dusk walking the grounds of the prison. People say they see her trying to cross the street, but she never does. Oh. Which I thought was so sad. Maybe she was killed by a She's just car like or something. Stuck oh. there. Oh, or gosh, she's just can like you stuck imagine? there. No. Hmm. I, or the church just moved her so much it's a residual. Yeah, maybe she was struck by a car. I, I don't know. That was. Oh. My mind didn't go quite as dark as you <laughs> did. <but> <laughs> then there is the haunting of Linda Green herself. She did not die in the old building. She led her followers and left for Wyoming and ended up dying of liver damage in 2002. But maybe she haunts the old prison because it was here that she was at her highest power and had the most followers. Ghost adventures went there. And I don't like to normally kind of like walk y'all through episodes, but this one was really spooky. And do you remember what season that was? See, that's the thing is I watched it on YouTube and YouTube said it was season 12 episode like three but then I found it on Discovery Plus and that one said it was season 16 episode two. Oh my gosh the exact same thing happened to me when I did um the omen house I got like three so I don't know what to tell you guys seasons for that one yeah yeah it's called the Samaritan house okay. though Samaritan house cult so you can find it that way if you just Google okay. it. You can watch it. It's on. It's for free. You don't have to have Discovery Plus. You can actually watch it on the Travel Channel. The whole episode is there. But it was a really spooky episode. I'm just going to you know, call out a couple things that happened. But the, the caretaker at the time, Carol Herzl, she actually requested that Zach and his pal. Sorry, I don't know what else to call them. Zach and his crew. crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, specif- specifically reach out to Linda while investigating there. Oh. The building itself is really dangerous at the time of the investigation. There is black mold everywhere. The floors are caving in. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's pretty condemned. So I'm really surprised that Zach even set foot in I'm there. I'm sure he's wearing his mask. 
Well, they weren't at first. So the first night they weren't. And Zach then, wasn't either? And before they went back the second night, he's like, guys, I got to tell you something really serious. So they just told me that there's black mold in the building. And I was like, they just told you before your second night of investigating? <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. Mm-hmm. But the building is like really dangerous to walk around in general. But when they were walking around it, the team found old cult cards in the building they're bigger than like a playing card but they are probably used uh, like the circles that were put underneath the barcodes there's different it's like a card and then on the card is a circle with these symbols on it on one side and different numbers and stuff on the back Mm -hmm. there i'm they were assuming they're cards that were used by the cults for rituals one card has small intestine and spine as well as t3 to t4 written on it again i don't know nobody knows or i'm sure somebody knows what these mean but huh. it's just really creepy that they found these cards there they found multiple an investigator jamie biggs was interviewed by zach and she refused to go back into the building since her last investigation she said that the last time she went in she actually found some paperwork notes and invoices for camera equipment made out to alan ross oh wow Linda's husband, who went missing and eventually was found dead. That would just be so creepy. While she was sitting and looking at the items, something pulled her back so hard she fell to the ground. She felt like it was Ellen Ross, but Zach, of course, was like, oh, it was Linda. She doesn't want you to find anything. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But that would be scary as heck to have something grab you and pull you down. It'd be so eerie to find those things that belong to somebody that you know went missing for so long and had ties to this cult. It's like their personal belongings. That'd be so creepy to find and then somebody the an unseen force pulls yeah. you back. That'd be ugh, that'd be so scary. I wouldn't want to go back either. Chris Biggs, another investigator, claims that his team was followed home one night after investigating. That particular investigation they had seen a little girl. And this is, of course, when Zach jumped in and was like, oh, there are demons here. So this is where it was kind of weird. I don't really can't really follow Zach's thought process here. But from here, he's like, oh, there are demons here. So I'm going to call on a demonologist to come in and bring his Ouija board. (laughs) And we're going to scare Linda out with demons that we bring in. We have good demons, and my good demons will oppose the Apparently, Zach has good demons on his side. So they bring in this demonologist, Darren Evans. And like I said, I'm not going to go through the entire episode. I'm just going to share with you some of the spookier parts that I saw. Zach and Darren are the first on the board, and nothing is happening. Planchet's not moving. Nothing's happening. They're not really feeling anything. And Zach just has these weird twitching spurts like his hands are on the planchet and all of a sudden you just see him like (laughs) like his whole body is like twitching and shaking but nothing is happening it's planchet's not moving and darren's just kind of like not even acknowledging the twitching and then zach's like guys i just keep twitching (laughs) guys do you see this i'm just twitching oh zach you just want to sashay down the hallway so you're just I know. Eventually, eventually, after they ask who's here, eventually JP is where the planchet leads. And so they think they were talking to James James Phillips, the inmate Mm -hmm. that died of fright. Mm -hmm. 
But then they have the grand idea to put Jay on the board with Darren because Jay has a barcode tattoo on his wrist. No way. Yes. And right away, the board starts to work. And it gets really scary. <laughs> Just really scary. They sa- they ask, who do you not like here? Yeah. And the planchet moves to 1119. Jay freaks because that's out the because number? that's the number on his barcode for his birthday. No. November 19th. Oh, my gosh. That is so weird. <laughs> and you can't make out the numbers. So it's not like when he was showing Darren or anybody like, here's the barcode. It's really blurry. The tattoo is really blurry. And you can't, you could kind of tell. I could kind of tell it was a barcode, but it was a barcode. And you can't see the numbers. Like, weird. So they all have their freak out session <laughs> that we know Ghost Adventures to have. <laughs> and then they get right back to mm-hmm. it. They ask, is this your sanctuary? And it says, yes. How many spirits are we talking to right now? One. Is this Linda? Yes. Do you like the fact we're in here? No. And then there's these footsteps and the front door slams. (gasps) Oh, man. I am looking this episode up. Then it starts to get really, really dark. And the board starts to spell out, kill, get out, kill one of you. And then it spells out J family. Jay like starts to get really upset. And he's even like looking away from the board, looking at Aaron at the camera yeah. when the planchet starts to move again. And the board spells out like K-I-D-N. And Jay calmly like is like, I know what this is spelling. This is not cool. This is not cool right now. And it ends up spelling kidney. And Jay, like, super calmly, he get, you could tell he's upset, but he gets up and he leaves. And no one knows what's going on, but they explain later that Jay had recently just gotten news that his cousin was going on kidney dialysis for a failing kidney. Uh-oh. This demon, or whatever it was, was hitting relevant things that nobody knew about. Oh, my god! Only Jay knew about that. And it was getting really personal, and it got really scary for Jay. I mean, I don't blame him. That's absolutely terrifying. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But Zach doesn't want this demon to know it got to them. So after they collect their thoughts outside for a bit, they all go back in. Mm -hmm. And when they do this, when they walk back in, this huge wooden beam, which Zach says, levitates and falls hard to the ground. You can't see it on camera, of course, but you do hear it. And, you know, they do react to it. Of course. And he's starts screaming about poltergeist activity but the 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 episode itself just with the ouija board i I don't know and the demonologist that they brought in it was just creepy pretty yeah pretty creepy yeah lights and figures are seen in the jail loud sounds are coming from the prison a lot people that walk outside were here and the the building is condemned the building is was falling down i don't know what it is to this day what it yeah what it looks like i don't know especially with covid i don't even know if they tore it down I think the filming of this was at least three years ago. So I know I read that some people were wanting to fix it all up, but I don't know what the state of the building is now. Right. Okay. If anyone knows, please let me know because I'm just really interested. Just the history of everything that was there, a jail, one of the very first jails, then a church, and then, yeah, sure, a cult was there, but that's just such historical. It's just interesting. I would hope that they didn't tear it down, but 
Sometimes if it's covered in black mold and, and condemned, totally falling apart, you can't to blame do them. Is tear it down, right? But yeah, that is the scary history and hauntings of the black. The black. Oh man, I cannot wait for our patron episode. <laughs> I can't wait for you to tell oh, me about that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I am really excited to tell you about it. Like I said, I just kind of started taking notes on that and I was like, I cannot just breeze over. Wow. All right. Cool. I'm excited. All right. So that was episode 79. We're going to do something a little different for AD once again. Yes. And talking about our patrons, I don't know, kind of segue, I guess. We will be taking a hiatus when the baby is born. About two months of a hiatus from releasing our weekly episode. Just with Aiden starting kindergarten and me having three children. Getting used to the idea. (laughs) I got to get my feet on the ground. So we will be taking a hiatus. We will be coming back November 1st. But patrons, we will be releasing episodes for you while we are on our hiatus from our weekly episodes. They might be little episodes here and there. You'll catch updates on the baby and how I am surviving or not surviving with three children. Um, All of that will kind of be on our Patreon just to stay in touch. If you are not a member of our Patreon, please join us. We don't want you to miss out on anything fun. And I know you guys are going to just miss us so much. much. So we still have, I think, what, five, maybe four more episodes after this one Mm -hmm. that'll be coming out every Monday, but then we'll start our hiatus. So please join us on Patreon. You can join us now because you'll get this Alan Ross episode, which is awesome. And then we will be continuing to do episodes for Patreon. Yep. So like I said, the link is in the description of this episode, or you can find us on, you can find the link on our website. It's www.patreon.com. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com backslash Killer Hangover Podcast. And our website is KillerHangoverPodcast.com. If you have trouble finding that or need me to email you the link or anything, you can email us at KillerHangoverPodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on our social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram. There you go. There you go. Wow. I can't believe we're going to be doing episode 80 next week. I know. Should we tell them what we're doing? I'm excited. No, we shouldn't. Okay. We won't. We'll leave it to be exciting. I'm actually looking forward to the research. I've already started <laughs> because I'm excited too. <laughs> All right, sweetheart. All right. This well, is interesting. Definitely. Yes. And a virtual cheers to all of you. Send us your Long Island iced tea recipes. I'm curious. Yes. Enjoy those Long Island iced teas for us. Yeah. Let us know if you <laughs> if you made one. Okay, sweetheart. Another good one, mom. Yes. Virtual cheers to you. Cheers, mama. Love you, kid.